What is real? Welcome to the What is Real podcast. This is your host, Chaz. Patient Zero is Rockstar Dev. Rockstar Dev is our first patient. Infection date, February 10th, 2020. Time of death was 4.20 p.m. Before the end, the patient shared valuable information about mortality, his opinion on drugs, and more. You will stay and listen. You have no other choice. Would you kindly listen to this podcast? Patient Zero recording begins now. I would love to go ahead and welcome Rockstar Dev to the What Is Real podcast. Yeah, nice to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely, man. So I think somehow I'm going to edit this. Not only so this can be an intro to the Lightning Junkies podcast, but I'm also going to be welcoming you to my new podcast called What is Real? A philosophy, etc. podcast that's going to go into a lot of different topics that aren't that aren't Bitcoin, because after a while, you know, I want to live outside of Bitcoin and not just live and die there. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is just a tool, man. To me, <laughs> to me, really, it's fascinating when I look at type of people that Bitcoin connects me with really seems like some kind of conspiracy you know beating you even so i'm excited to follow what you've been doing you'll be doing uh, with that other podcast well absolutely i think that one's gonna like i'm hopefully having a little bit less pressure not, not that there's too much pressure on this podcast or anything but like that one's gonna be a bit more of my experimental you know who gives a fuck thing where i can you know fail miserably and it won't bother me Lightning Junkies, I have a little bit more of a vested interest in keeping that one going a certain direction. Being on a certain level, right? Because we are all, all rock stars, you know, me, Matt, Odell, and the rest, so you can't fail us, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Like, I, I can't, uh, I had a bit of a rough December, but I, you know, I'm definitely trying to come on strong in 2020. Oh man, okay, let's go. All right, so I think the, the most obvious place is to kind of just start uh, talking about you obvious place where I became, you know, I noticed you was, you know, you doing your BTC pay server thing. I think it was a while ago. I can't really pin down exactly when, but probably in 2018 yeah. sometime. Probably. I really liked, you know, you're kind of, you're put it in a short way. You're very weird. Thank you. Right. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just felt like you had your own way of doing things that was very interesting. And eventually I, uh, you know, found my way into your, one of your weekly Wednesday coding things. That you had going for a while you know you ended up talking about your kind of personal philosophy at some point there and i found it very interesting what makes rockstar dev rockstar dev you know is there a a kind of very minimal version of your philosophy that you would like to kind of to start with or even your history or i mean it's honestly like it all started as a joke yeah it's still a joke in a sense i tried to make it like a positive joke because if we really want to make the world a better place it will only happen if we all are better that's why for example like i strongly dislike politicians because they're always kind of like saying what somebody else needs to become and do in order for everything to be better and that one is super easy we already know you know like but knowing is only the first step then i i guess i've tied it all that my life philosophy and through that nickname like rockstar rockstar developer because it also is a joke in in the whole industry like everybody wants to hire rockstar developer right uh, so rockstar rockstarism helping others become rockstars like even me letting me lead from there because people are joining in and contributing to the whole rockstar creed i'm loving it let it go ride the way what would you say is the earliest precursor in your life that kind of started you on this path like is it you know in your childhood or is it something much more recent yeah i, I would say yeah it is like because everybody else we had everything is in childhood yeah i've been try hard my whole life man. okay trying 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 like let's let's 
make it better. Let's uh, make everyone happy. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, whenever I start going deeper into that philosophy, like, why do I even care? You know, I, I still can't figure it out, but I simply have that deeply embedded need to see things be better. And then when I talk with other people, I see that it is universal. Everybody has it. It's just how much you recognize it and how much you allow it to shine through, right? Because some people are so disappointed that they never allow it to, to be shown that they care, right? For me, to really tie it into BTC Pay Server, or like BTC Pay Server stuff really saved me, man. Because as a lot of other people in like Bitcoin, we all started being, you know, like admirer of Satoshi and anonymous troll. The question is just where we were operating, right? Were we on Bitcoin Talk? or Reddit, or we got on Twitter early, you know, back in the day when like Jameson would have like two likes and everything. But I was just anonymous troll on Bitcoin talk and I would argue with people, you know, big blocks, small blocks. And that rhymes with an interesting word, but yeah, let's not jump in right away. When the things started, you know, happening with the whole scaling debate and wars and community splitting, one people going one way, going other way. I mean, it was tough, man, because we were all the same tribe. You see this, how brutal evolution is, and it's tough. Like, people you really liked, suddenly you don't like them, and they don't like you because you believe certain things. Luckily, that's when the whole BTC Pay server thing, Nicholas was getting pissed off with BitPay, and... I knew Nicholas from before and I always wanted to code with him. When he started typing out like all the code alone, I always hate seeing people doing something alone. So I was like, let's connect the dots. Let me join in. And I, I, I just went to the Slack and asked him, you know, like, what do you hate doing? He's like, UI. I'm like, okay, man, kind of do UI. And it really started from there, man. In a lot of my other shows, I would kind of go in a very linear progression from from that spot, ask you more about BTC Pay Server, et cetera. But I, I kind of want to take a different tack in this particular episode and address more of the the meaning behind the, the philosophy thing. You said you don't really know why you kind of do the things that you do. Maybe similar to that, do you have a kind of working, a kind of meaning of life that you take on for the time being, even if it's not solid or perfect? Actually, on that one, I know exactly why. Like I was more saying that I would love to figure out, like, is it just part of my character that I care deeply about making things better? Like, so much that I'm just, hey, Nicholas, you know, let's work together. And he's like, why? Because I want to make things better. That's that's the part of my character that I don't know 100%. As for philosophy of life, I think I even said it publicly, like, multiple times. I mean, that one is easy. The, the whole point of intelligent life is to top this expansion of the universe, turn it into a big crunch, and create a new Big Bang. That's pretty much what the point of intelligent life is and meaning of life. That's why we are here. That's how I see it. If you look at like intelligence as a concept, strip everything else, it's simply ability to like create pockets where entropy can be reduced, right? Look, look at intelligence in any form, even go down to quite popular now viruses. It's just like it's creating the environment that suits it and where it can reduce the entropy for itself. Everything else, like if there is no intelligence, it's just like constant increase of entropy. The problem is that also like intelligence can accelerate entropy like widely, completely wild, how, how much faster the entropy can, can spread because consumption of energy increases a lot, which is what you currently have with humanity. If we don't keep increasing our intelligence the way that we are increasing our own power, then we will be the agent of entropy, right? We're going to increase the entropy rather than decrease it. Am I making sense so far? I want to expand on certain part of my 
theory? Yeah, absolutely. What I kind of take away from it is it, it really reminds me of uh, Isaac Asimov's The Last Question. I mean, you're kind of taking it a little bit further, maybe. I guess my response is, why a big crunch and why not something that allows us to reverse entropy, but keep a kind of status quo where there is no big crunch, there is no heat death, there is something in the middle where we get to kind of exist for forever or whatever, you know, something like that. Yeah, but, well, it's because I'm a try hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't let all that energy go to waste and, you know, like have space expand and disappear because much more realistic scenario than what I'm proposing would figure out how to reverse the expansion of space time. And the easier way is just let's create civilizations around the black holes, right? Because that will be the only thing left for eternity. And once you have civilization slightly, even even like slightly more, more advanced than us, not maybe, but like we upload our consciousness into computers, we operate at speed of light, time will naturally, like what you can do in one second can be eternity. Combine that with the fact that around black holes, what, like you can exist for trillions of years. You're practically living forever. But I don't know, man, try hard component of me jumps in and says, no, 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 we need to recreate the Big Bang and create a new cycle. I mean, I can definitely see the logic in that, but I guess my own humanistic hubris says, I don't think we need to send it back to the Big Crunch. We're going to say, fuck you. We're going to take control of the universe now and do whatever the fuck we want with it. Like you said, forever and ever, essentially especially if we're in a kind of simulation kind of thing. And I guess that's always the natural question for me is, what if we've already done all this? What if we've already succeeded and now we're kind of bored and we wanted to forget and just kind of live through the, the process that got us there to begin with? Yeah, I mean, that one is quite possible. Elon and his simulation that he popularized. Possible, man, because as long as, as, long as there is no like great filter, which possibly there is, then very, very probable. Because if, if there is this crazy filter I'm, I'm more thinking about filter especially like in the in in what's currently happening in media with this coronavirus and the way that information spreads and creates panic quite likely that there is a breaking point where civilizations they become too powerful for the amount of like intelligence and empathy that they have right so because it's so hard to build. It's so much easier to destroy. I don't know if you saw that Jessica is dominating Twitter with suggesting that airplane with what 150 U.S. citizens that, that was like evacuated from China. She was like suggesting shoot it down, right? So that they don't spread the virus. Jessica isn't fucking around, man. So yeah, I'm more and more I'm starting to believe about like in that filter theory. And I am hoping that like humanity will not get into that scenario. We need empathy and we need more rocks. Uh, definitely true. Maybe taking a slightly pessimistic view that even if we fuck up and destroy, you know, most everything, that life has a way of figuring itself out and surviving anyway. You know, even if that's humans or if that's something else and it, you know, has to evolve separately on its own, possibly into its own intelligent life form and kind of starting the cycle over again and maybe, you know, build They'll hit the same great filter, you know, just for the, our listeners out there. We're kind of addressing uh, Fermi's paradox here a little bit. For me, really, like, I think if, if like, humanity destroys itself, let's say, like, is it, we, we're going pretty much to, this, if humanity is destroyed, then we're pretty much destroying all existing life on Earth, right? So what is the time frame of recovery? Is it 200 million years? Is it a billion year? Consciousness comes around in another like 10 billion years. Like it's pretty, pretty late. I don't know. I mean, it's not too late, but still it's completely different. How much do we have with like current sun? Like our sun is blowing up. I think we have like a hundred million years or maybe like a billion years. It's like billion, yeah. like two billion. It will start. Red giant. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying is, is like, I don't, it would be a shame. Like the. I'm quite, I quite believe like, we, if we do that Mars thing with colonizing Mars or Venus, then I do think 
what you're saying, yeah, life will find a way. I think those are, you know, more obvious paths, but I think the ones that I'm kind of seeing is that like, for example, the tardigrade kind of survives in all kinds of crazy environments, survives in space, survives near the Marinerish Trench. I don't know how long it would take. You know, I have, I have no fucking clue. You know, I don't know that much about biology and a specific ramp up that, you know, what would go on. I'm fascinated about that. Fascinated about that. But I, I would tell you, man, like when you look at the life that was present on this planet, like 800 million years ago, it wasn't much different in a sense, like those creatures were living, they were reproducing everything, but it, it is all about intelligence and I'm not sure if we destroy ourselves and all other species with us like that are you know, like on some path of intelligence like dogs and cats i'm not sure that yeah we'll see humanity like civilization and, and solar systems so it's kind of interesting your take you're like pessimistic optimistic <laughs> humanity destroys itself but well i mean i feel like it kind of goes beyond that so we, you in a weird way brought up the fermi paradox so, I mean, I feel like yeah. kind of thinking about it in that sense, I feel like it's almost, almost, I can't, I can't say it is, but it's almost a foregone conclusion that there's other life in the universe. I feel like it's almost utterly absurd to think that yeah. there isn't something somewhere, given that it almost seems likely that we'll find something on Mars, you know, something simple probably, but it almost seems likely that that would happen. How much thought do you give to that kind of topic? You know, I don't necessarily want to get into UFOs visiting Earth. I'm going to dismiss that one a, a little bit faster, yeah. but, you know, what's your kind of take on that? You you have Mulder fan here. And I spent my childhood adoring, you know, like X-Files and waiting for Mulder to get Scully into bed. <laughs> then it happened, and it fell, not what I expected. And he goes off the show to record some other show. I didn't even watch Californication back then, but I knew I hated the show, even though I never watched. But to get back to the point is like, actually, Bitcoin made me believer more that there is some kind of intelligent life beyond us. Because when you see what Satoshi pulled off with Bitcoin, it's hard to believe it's not some kind of higher intelligence, man, the way that it all fits together. I mean, I'm only half joking, I would say, because it's perfect. Bitcoin, you transfer energy directly into digital money, and it makes so much sense. It plays to all the fascinations of humans with scarcity, and it's digital, so it will work for some kind of machine civilization. Because that's another theory that I brought up. Humanity and all organic intelligent life is just a bootstrapper for machine civilization. Like the way that singular cellular organisms like, I don't know, Kyria, they are bootstrapper for intelligent life like us. That's how we are bootstrapper for machines because for machines to exist, like for machine civilization and artificial intelligence to exist, they need that pocket of lower entropy to get started. And there needs to be life like form of life like us to enable them so that they can develop in that small pocket of less entropy and be able to okay now we started now we start handling more and more once ai gets started it's like we're pretty much obsolete and playing back to your question i would expect yeah if there was intelligent life in milky way we, we would know by now just by some kind of machine civilization. Because the way that I look at it, we have like the next thousand years, quite possible, not possible, certain that humanity is going to create some kind of machine civilization. And it's just a question of how much empathy we're going to embed into that machine civilization. And if we don't embed enough en empathy into it, like we'll probably just kill it. Or, or they will keep us as pets which is what I also suppose. The more empathy we give them, the more, you know, benevolent they're going to be to us. If we're going to walk down that path, I'm curious to know what you think about the idea of, okay, let's say we reach that position. Are we going to just join up with the machines? You know, say, okay, fuck, you guys are, you know, so powerful, so utterly beyond our consciousness. You might as well just join with your consciousness and, and intelligence and kind of just keep going forward with that. I don't think it will be our choice, really. Like, what kind of, choice do we give to bacteria and it's like like bacteria doesn't even like not that we can interact with it in meaningful ways so I, I think it will be that kind of jump though that machine 
consciousness or civilization or whatever term we we know what we are talking about right like it, it just will be so beyond us that we will be irrelevant and then it will just be a question of whether again we gave it how much empathy did we give it because we at that point will be useless like what's what's our use currently for bacteria maybe making yogurt <laughs> so maybe machines will keep us around for that's what i said like brecky he doesn't need to worry man he's artists so artistic kind probably machine is gonna keep them to create work of art and they'll be like oh look what my human made but the rest of us it will be pretty much useless and it will really be the choice of machines maybe they'll be like okay you guys created bitcoin so we're gonna just keep you on account of that you know the, the way that my brain is kind of going you know since we're talking about the machines and all that let's swing up the matrix a little bit you know especially because the name of my uh... My philosophy podcast is what is real, you know, a line taken from the Matrix. What if instead in the Matrix of, you know, which I found the kind of storyline to be kind of silly, that all the humans are being used as batteries where, you know, humans make a terrible battery. That's just bad plot. But like maybe an improvement would be instead of, you know, renting the whole, you know, body for just energy, renting like the mind or otherwise taking over the the computational power of the mind and just going that way. And especially because then the humans wouldn't even have a kind of existence maybe at that point, you know, like would you even have an existence if your entire mind was co-opted by a machine using it as like a hard drive or RAM or something, you know, roughly analogous to that? You just need to accept it, man. Like we will be useless. <laughs> you know, like, I, you're trying to fight it in a sense. I'm RAM, bro. Come on, I'm RAM. Come on. <laughs> Like, what's my, what's my use, you know? I always remember Rick and Morty also, when Rick makes that robot that's like post passing, passing the butter. What is my purpose? Like, you're passing the butter and the robot. Dumb the, he, he's like, oh no, stupid purpose. So just it, it will be a life, type of life that's so beyond us that we are really useless. And uh, maybe that renting of mind will happen, but as a, more like as a tourist tourism thing like where machine goes into human mind and is like oh this is how this works this is so slow i don't know you know to get the experience how it is but we will be obsolete again i think the only use for us will be as pets that's what we need to accept alternative approach yeah alternative approaches is, is what elon is doing like merging with machine right well yeah yeah Absolutely. it's like becoming some kind of hybrid but i don't see what humans can give in that hybrid it's like most people are hoping it's some kind of intuition yeah i don't see it useful i think if i were to kind of throw out my hat one last time on this to defend the idea that the machines aren't gonna necessarily win they will technically win because we'll have to be basically become the machines ourselves in order to defeat the machines so you could call that a defeat because essentially you're yeah they're winning either way I, I see the cyborg future much more likely. Humans have already largely become cyborgs. You know, it's just not integrated into our flesh quite yet. But I think that's going to become much more normalized over the next couple decades. You know, like there used to be a time where kids getting tattoos was a huge thing for adults. And, oh man, why are you doing that? I imagine there being something more like Johnny, why are you getting your arms taken off and replaced by bio implants yeah. and something similar for brain capacity? Let me increase whatever. I'm, I'm not even going to try to go into the specifics of how a brain works because I have no fucking clue. But, you know, let's increase XYZ and increase your, my general ability to think. I think that there is a legitimate possibility of that, the, you know, the kind of uh, Ray Kurzweil singularity. You know, I don't necessarily want to get too deep in in, in the weeds and all these things, but I, I feel like there is a alternative track. And I think that alternative track is going down the middle and something that I'm kind of taking inspiration from Star Trek here, that their, their main enemy in Star Trek, the next generation that they kind of came up with was the Borg. And there were like the integration of machine and organic life in such a way that they were pursuing perfection by forcibly and putting all other life form and technology into themselves until they reach some, you know, pinnacle of perfection. I could almost, in some sense, seeing that happen, hopefully we, you know, like you were saying, implant more 
empathetic algorithms or whatever you want to call it at that point. I don't know if I have a specific question after that, but I mean, that's kind of my... No, you're not giving up. My kind of take that humans would all join together in a collective mind to kind of overcome the machine. Uh, I, uh, you're, you're really holding on to your like Humans will survive, but <laughs> imagine collective mind of, like with humans. Like we already have Twitter, and we can't find peace even with like two hundred eighty characters. So I really think if some kind of hybrid is possible scenario, how it will start, but then there will be some kind of Jeff Bezos hybrid, which will go and dominate, and will take out all the slow parts and just focus on domination and once it gets there that will be final unifying consciousness of whatever like machine civilization and it it will just drive the progress of that machine civilization and make sure that the rest of us were not part of that consciousness like nice pets let's stick that compromise definitely like we'll that I don't know, man. I'm I'm not optimistic because cooperation is really hard, and that's part of what we are. While we are working now on Bitcoin, we are seeing making decentralized systems and coordinating between people, ensuring it still works. Terrible, terrible, and hard problem. Centralization is cool, man. And I always bring that up when people start talking about decentralization versus centralization. Like imagine decentralized solar system. It would suck, you know. Centralized solar system, you have this beautiful sun that's like 99% of mass of solar system, but it provides energy. That's what will happen with machine civilization. As I emphasize so much, we need to make sure we are giving our offspring a lot, a lot of empathy. Because if we don't, it will be like we're all dying on day one. Okay, so I do want to take a small step away from sci-fi land. I hope you understand that it's, we're kind of kind of going out here a, a little bit to kind of speculate very heavily on the future. Because, hey, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, maybe there's some thing that pushes us, us back as a civilization dramatically and such that, you know, we're not even close to that singularity machine that, you know, is super intelligent and is able to kind of wipe us away like nothing. How should we live our lives now? Should we act as if the machine thing is coming or should we act as if that's not really a concern in the short term? No, I honestly, when I talk about machines, I, I don't see it in next hundred years. Like I'm way more pessimistic than most people on AI, maybe because I'm a programmer. I know how things are in that land currently. Whenever somebody's talking about AI, they're like, bunch of people in back office actually pressing buttons so they just sell it as ai because it increases valuation of startups but we started the whole conversation as like with meaning of life how we will get there what's our purpose and i really believe component that should be taken away from all that conversation is that you should always regardless of what time is like you should live your life trying to reduce entropy whenever in doubt think about how can i reduce entropy figure out a good way to do it then you're doing good and and i think that people instinctively like that's exactly what they're doing when you look at all our friends that are toxic bitcoin maximalists they're doing all that as a service to reducing fud it's just that people don't see it that and it's now also your part of your job is like to educate in essence, like why you are acting like how you are reducing the entropy and also finding the balance. As I say, man, to answer the question is definitely a, when in doubt, try reducing the entropy. What's an easy way for someone to be able to do that right this second while they're listening? To As Jordan Peterson says, like clean your room, right? It, it is quite good one because messy room is just expression of yourself in a sense that you can't even keep this amount of space free of entry and if if you can it's a good exercise once you hold the entropy at bay in your room which i'm too busy with all the coding you know always excuses but make sure that yeah you grow that circle entropy free space around you keep going clean the room 
the schedule, fill your promises. Like that one is really good in general. Fill the promises you make. I definitely would agree with that. Fulfill your promises, be intellectually honest, things like that. And I think that's a a pretty good segue into the next thing that I think we should talk about here. And that's, I think, the nature of belief. I didn't really mention that we'd be talking about this at, at the very beginning, but I kind of just, I kind of want to throw this in here at least a little bit. We might not spend too much time on this. How much time have you spent in your life doubting, you know, what the average everyday sense of what something is and what steps do you do to kind of reevaluate your facts and, you know, make sure that you're, you know, believing things that are true? Oh, man, I, I do a lot of questioning myself and Bitcoin has been really good because I always, I always say it's, it's a conspiracy to get you connected with like-minded people in some weird way. I've started recruiting people to talk with me like on a weekly basis, some people from community, and make sure I'm on the good path. Just we usually don't record conversations. like It would be conversation like you and me are having right now. It's not recorded. It stays with us. I can give a shout out to Gigi, dear, dear Gigi, because yeah, he's one of the better philosophers that we have, and it's great guy to talk with and yeah i would say that's my go-to especially when you start getting connected with more and more people on twitter the way that i was lucky to get connected it's quite interesting like how much people get emotionally invested and how harsh they can be to you they're like you do something and it's like you hurt them right so they feel the need to message you and be like oh this was not good or you know you're this you're that but it's quite useful it's just you you need to make sure it doesn't it, it doesn't like rip you apart if you can sustain and make sure you're not like being pulled in all the different directions and falling apart yourself like it's quite good man it makes you stronger so i would say that's my biggest go-to lately before i had that i would mostly fall back to reading watching the lectures of people that i respect like jordan peterson like i really recommend him because he shines a light on a lot of concepts and i'm always confused like why people hate him i guess it's because he destroys a lot of myths of modern society so i yeah i, I would say that definitely just Get the good foundation, and once you start getting bored, start becoming part of more and more communities. Preferably, you want smaller communities. You, you, you don't want to like go on Reddit, comment on every subreddit, and you know destroy yourself and become depressed. You don't want that. You want to find a community of 20, 50, 100 people max, and you need to make sure that within that community, there is like few people that you respect at least one because if you don't really respect anybody within certain community like get away from that you need community in which you respect at least like really really respect at least one person and i would say that's when you really make your development and, and making sure you're on the right path not just your own responsibility it becomes like responsibility of community also it's shared and it's nice then you only need to ensure that you're actually contributing because once you become part of community, that's also when a lot of people jump out. They, they don't want responsibility. You will have to pick up responsibility and you're getting into this cycle that will correct you, keep you on a good path. You will evaluate if it's a good path or not, but usually like if it's not, then you just find another community and make sure you're becoming happier, more skillful. If I were to guess, would I be correct in assuming Bitcoin slash Lightning is that community for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really for me, it was like BTC Pay Server community was kind of my graduation because before that I was part of a lot of other projects. But Bitcoin community, it is too big. Like anybody that's trying to make it, you're probably, unless it's your third, fourth, fifth try and you're really impactful. Like it's too big. You need smaller community. For example, one community I really like is like those taco plebs. <laughs> and they're really toxic, but it's smaller community. And then people are developing within that community, figuring things out for, for themselves. You know, I don't know if there is some kind of podcaster community, but if there was like a 
50 podcasters masterminding together, it's probably where you would want to jump in, right? That kind of stuff. For me, once I started doing that a few years ago, I was like, why didn't I do this earlier? Then I realized I did it just the society just calls it job, but jobs are not like they can't be so tight. Like you, you don't develop that kind of relationship. Luckily with Slack, with Mattermost, Twitter now, like people are able to come together into smaller communities and, you know, self-organize, become better by pushing each other. I definitely enjoy all that and enjoy the fact that you kind of just moved into BTC Pay Server with with your skills to really make a difference there. How long have you been programming and doing that whole thing? Yeah, I mean, that's that's also the biggest part when you're joining a community that I also miss. You need skill. You don't need to be world-class at your skill. But I was doing stupid stuff like I would join a community where my previous life experiences and skills like I'm not even using and in that scenario like why would that small community you're part of why would it luckily with BTC pay server that really clicked because I've been coding for last 20 years man. and whenever I'm now joining some smaller community I'm always like do you guys need something programmed coded and usually people do so that's where i can contribute and then the rest of the community is like oh this is cool we we need this for my programming man i i'm, I'm just sad i didn't use it more ever since i was a kid i was fascinated with computers and then unfortunately i can't say it's unfortunate like i spent too much time playing games right like everybody else and even back in the 90s games have been phenomenal warcraft starcraft yeah, maybe that's the whole try-hard part because when you're like young gamer saving the world over and over in every new game, you're bound to develop that try-hard savior complex. Playing, played a lot of games, started university, and then when I started university, it was time to like, okay, how do this stuff actually work? How I can automate some of my mundane tasks, give it to computers. Man, it's, since then it's been like, more than 20 years now. That's like, it's really amazing, man. I, I didn't realize you're that old or, or I guess if you've been yeah. doing it for a while or not, I've you know, been doing it since you were 10. I don't know. I've been, been in 10 in university. Does it make sense? But Really young. Yeah. Yeah. Like 12 when I enrolled. No, <laughs> that's also something I get, man. I'm, I'm so relaxed. Probably use the word goofy. So the people expect that I'm, I'm like 16 or something, especially with that rock star. And then when they find find out I'm like almost forty, I mean I have two more years. Still, still a little bit more goofing around to do. Absolutely. Before we jump in, you know, really jump back into the Bitcoin Lightning stuff, I just wanted to take that last bit right there and kind of run with it a little bit. You know, it's something that I'm thinking about. I'm in my mid thirties too, so I'm not too far off from where you are, I guess. How much do you think about your mortality and the general concept that, you know, everyone that you know and will know will one day cease to exist? I'm quite good with that one, man, especially because, you know, I, I've reproduced <laughs> once you, yeah, once you reproduce, especially multiple times, then way less pressure. That's my experience. Make a joke out of that. But not to be too goofy, yeah, it, it is true for, for those struggling with, with that part. I don't know. Woolen blanket will stay around longer than you, right? With your own temporary existence. It's just you eventually you start focusing on what have you done and how much entropy have you destroyed. If you can focus on that and are satisfied with your effort and your results. I would say that's maybe for most people, it's like you wish you've done more. Once you're satisfied with results, it's a, it's way easier. And I always say, man, like I can't wait to be 50 because for me, the life was hardest when I was a teenager. I, I, I couldn't use like when you're a teenager, your intellect doesn't count as much. And as you grow older and as your like, actions and your results are building some kind of foundation you can stand on, it's phenomenal. If I needed to go back 20 years and be in position I was versus the position I'm in right now, I'm not sure I would do that, even though it's like getting back 20 years. Just focus on like, are you happy with results? If you're not, then what, what are you going to do about it? 
if you're going to do nothing, then you say, okay, then I deserve this result. If you're going to do something about it, find your community crew, keep pushing, figure it out. Because man, like when I when I think about it, it seems this technology, the the pace of living we've been under, it seems we really forgot those basics. Social animal. If you're alone, you're so much easier to get. Once you become part of bigger whole, it's so much harder. You feel happier. You feel more motivated. Like this is one advice I have for young developers. It's if you're starting a project, please never code alone because I see that all the time, especially young developers. They just get out of university and they're like, oh, I'm going code the next great thing all by myself. It's like, no, you will not. All those talks about, I don't know, Bill Gates coding himself to hold Windows and whatnot, that's that's bullshit. Bill Gates had quite a support early on. Yeah, he was the one coding initially, but he wasn't. There is a great video that maybe we can add to the podcast better than me, like retelling it. It's like Bill Gates talking about his early coding days. He explains that he was already coding with two or three other guys and he, he wasn't even the best. But it's like that constant being the youngest and sticking with it in great teams and getting the feedback from older, better programmers that allowed him to like build up his skill set. And he was always a part of the team. It's just that, you know, when some journalist is writing article, it's so much easier to write, oh, he dropped out of college and became a you know, billionaire. Like, no, it doesn't work. Would you say that there was any tools in your toolkit that helped to kind of get you to your current kind of brain space? Like an example of that might be uh, meditation or something like psychedelics. Grew up in like quite interesting environment, especially when you look at former communist, socialist, Eastern Europe and the culture of drugs, especially like in those type of environments. It's like really, really looked down on completely different culture and perception than say here in U.S. And even back then, I mean, U.S. was way less liberal. So for you know, non-psychedelic stuff like meditation and less, I, I would say what probably developed me the most was I've been quite blessed with intelligence. It's like my only redeeming trait. I don't know if I can brag that I'm a member of Mensa. I really didn't have a choice but to be intelligent. But then it's like, yeah, reading a lot, that's what helped me in that scenario. And through reading, I, I think realization that you need to be in good environment is once I realized that in my like mid-20s, like finally clicked, that has been a good guide for next 10 years. And what eventually even got me in the U.S. because I made that realization a lot about me, but it's also a lot about the environment. By I'm in my late middle 20s, late 20s. This is the only choice I'll ever have if I want to change the environment completely. Clicked. I was I was able to come to U.S. and yeah, it's been phenomenal for me, man. Meditation. I've tried it out, but I've actually I can't make it work for me. I've realized that meditation calms me down. That's actually not a good thing. I like aggressiveness. I like anger. I like action. One big problem that I have, especially in my relationships, is that like I easily up the level of energy in the relationship, but it's hard to find people I can vibrate with on a certain level. So either I piss off somebody or they piss me off. And then like relationship breaks. <laughs> it's like it can't sustain that level. Because for me, if I start like yelling at somebody and he's yelling back, once we figure things out and there is result, it's done. Let's move on. But a lot of people like that are really rare from my experience. Like people hold grudges. They don't tell you. So yeah, meditation, I'm not sure it's for me. Breathing exercises are quite interesting. That's something i've been looking lately but i would say to tie all that together my whole answer is my biggest like reading and everybody says reading and then being in a good environment or psychedelics like i say not so much experience but knowing you man maybe you can take that segment 
and lead the conversation because also me getting into whole Bitcoin is uh, quite interesting how it's entangled in the whole community and how many people have a lot of experience. So, I mean, I think I'm probably going to limit how much I talk about it in this podcast. I kind of like your explanation. You know, it just really wasn't a good thing, you know, back in the day for you. And uh, it just never really materialized as a, a thing in your life in the same way that it might have for me, for example. I'm actually the next episode of the podcast. The primary topic is going to be psychedelics. Whoever's listening to this, if you want to kind of, you know, go into a further depth about that, you can definitely listen to the next podcast. I need to tune in as well, man. But something that I would say right now, you know, that I didn't say before the show when we briefly kind of talked about this was maybe how you can dip your toes in or something like that, get started. I'm sure you and I are very familiar with the idea of getting someone into Bitcoin or get someone into Lightning or something in the kind of philosophy and the steps. And, you know, we need to make sure that you have the, you know, they have their full node, they have this, they have that, you know, giving them the, the kind of toolbox in order for them to really be able to operate at the high level of, you know, being a, a Bitcoiner that takes care of all the things they need to think about if they're going to be a, you know, on that ultimate level, you know, whatever that means. Yeah, the ultimate level of Bitcoiner, you know, you got to gotta keep leveling up and keep grinding until you get to like level, you know, 10 trillion. It's like Damien, man, when he has a whole, his whole node in the backpack and you can actually have some kind of little gadget that you can use to pay and it's embedded in your flesh or something. Like he had a bracelet, that, that kind of level where all your value is with you. you don't know what you're going to do if somebody robs you. I guess I can see, you know, the it was someone going to chip embedded in your wrist or something. Someone just kind of just cutting your hand off and stealing that entire thing and figuring it out later and just going from there. And you just replace your arm because you're part of machine civilization. <laughs> and then you, he does have your pin, disable it remotely. Yeah, there, there are definitely ways to uh, cover all that. But going back to where I was starting there with that a little bit was... The concept of having tools for your psychedelic toolkit that you, you have to be very intelligent about how you go about it. And you were making a very good point before we started that you probably should be of a certain age or at the very least a certain maturity level where you take in these experiences and not take them lightly, not take them as a kind of party thing where you're going to go you know, be wild and that's it and there's nothing else to take away from it thing I would, I would want to point out is it's okay to really educate yourself first. So something that I did for years, I think, before I even took my first psychedelic, which I think was actually mushrooms the first time, was I would go on to erowid, E-R-O-W-I-D dot uh, org, which is a, a website that has like endless information about psychedelics and just drugs in general. One of the big parts of that is their extensive experience section where you can read through the experience of other people taking, you know, it'll list the amount of drugs when they took it. You know, it's kind of a scientific-ish, not really, but it's it's in that vein where they try to detail the information and kind of make it so you can kind of read it and generally understand what might happen to you and kind of put it in that place. So when you do perhaps take a psychedelic for the first time, you know, you're not totally freaked out about open-eyed visuals you might see about the wall melting or, you know, having a transcendent feeling or something like that. Or, yeah, dehydrate to death. No, I mean... I mean, that might be a one to consider for MDMA. I mean, that's definitely true there, but generally... Yeah, you can tell that I'm complete novice in that field, man. What me Puritan? But... Exactly what you're saying, because for me, my the way I was, my upbringing and the way I was taught, if somebody is using drugs, don't even talk with him. That person is not nice. And I didn't have a religious component, but it's like the whole devil thing and whatnot. But I definitely see it, uh, that component as well. And the way that we talked about it, that I described it is, is um, the way that I see it is when you open some doors, you can never close that. And that's where also the entropy plays into because once something is created, it's really hard to completely destroy it. You always need to invest more energy than you invest in to create. Definitely what you're saying about education, I, I think that's really important, but I, I honestly don't see it ever happening. Like I would really find a way to 
somehow keep that door closed for everybody until they're at least like 30. Because I always say uh, your brain only finishes wiring together once you're 30, maybe even later. When I look at my brain and the way of thinking, it is so much like it's still melding together. And the way that I understand drugs and psychedelics and everything, even alcohol, man, it's, it's kind of helps you unwire and rewire the brain. And I would say for most people, like the problem isn't even wiring the brain correctly. It, it's more like sticking with it. You actually know what you need to do, but it's too boring. And you need to make it less boring, not by novelty and rewiring, but rather finding a better environment in which you are supported and you are supporting others. Because if I bring up the way I say, like, keep your promises, I really try in my life to make it make it so that I don't have tasks at all. I just have promises. Like I said to somebody that I'm going to do something. And then if I don't do it, you know, shit, I'm a liar. You know, I actually need to do it. And it becomes way more fun and involved once it's social. So, you know, I promised you I'm going to be at this time for this podcast. Like, I, I need to be there. So that type of stuff. And I would say, especially for young people, if you're bored in life, before you try rewiring your brain, try finding a better environment. If you can't find anybody, come to my Twitter or BTC Pay Server Matterbox, especially if you're a programmer. I'll help however you think I can help. I don't disagree with the kind of way that you're going about it. And I yeah. feel like it's it's very common, like not to say in that in a condescending way or anything like that, but I think it's very common for that type of a response it's very difficult like for example a blind person will never know what vision is and a person with vision is never going to know what the experience of being blind really is it's like they can approximate and kind of think about it but they'll never really know the actual experience of it yeah i mean i'm not just to make sure like i'm not trying to say oh kids don't do drugs i don't know how i came across i'm just I don't know, man, maybe maybe it is my younger brother, Romano, meeting him and looking, because I was always wondering how I would differently develop if I was a rock star at younger age, right? And then I got a chance to meet him and hang out with him, and he's pretty much the definition of that, especially with that porn star deal and pumping shit coins, right? So yeah, and it's been quite impactful hanging out with with him, and maybe that's why I'm bringing up so much because quite interesting to to see how he's riding that way, and I'm not sure like a lot of people can sustain that level of vibrations, like that frequency. Once you start with going down that path, you need to be ready for more, more, more. If I could ask. You're, you kind of mentioned your brother twice and kind of responds to this. Feel free to tell me to, you know, go fuck myself. But do you know what drugs he's taking specifically? And do you want to share that with us? Oh, man, just go on his Twitter profile and timeline and start reading. I think he's mostly now focused on steroids. Right? Okay. He's combining it with, with some stuff. And I'm always joking with him that it's like everything is an experiment. I hope he, he, he's going to appreciate the free commercial. Twitter timeline. Not that he needs more exposure. I'm not sure how much we're going to link uh, to his Twitter page if he's uh, fucking <laughs> uh, shit coins or anything like that. But my question is, I because there's a lot of different kinds of drugs. Drugs is, is a very loaded term. In some sense, a drug could just be a very benign substance that doesn't have any kind of psychoactive effects whatsoever. And then on the other side of it, you have things like heroin and you know fentanyl or whatever else and things that are you know supremely dangerous and you know really addictive etc before we jump off this topic because i feel like i don't want to have this topic eat too much of the show is that i feel like the psychedelics are like anti-abuse or anti-habit forming kinds of drugs especially the ones that i'm kind of thinking of your kind of mushrooms your lsd some other ones out there dmt 
you know, taking your advice as granted, you know, wait until you're mature, whether that be 30 or whether that be 40 or 50 for some people, you know, it really depends on their own internal guide to kind of really tell them that, you know, I, I can't tell them that. And this isn't like an, a commercial to say everyone go out there and drop acid uh, tonight, but it's a, just a general concept that I think if I only had that experience once and that was the only time, I'd be supremely happy that I had that experience because if I were to give you a good example and, you know, what I really took away from it, especially at a high level, because it's easy to, you know, send your first Bitcoin transaction and then stop and then think that you experienced the full whole world of it. But the biggest takeaway, I think, was when I took mushrooms one time and it was way too much and I was like panicking and it was terrible you know, the entire street was melting around me and I felt like I was going to, you know, fall down some dark, deep void and never return. Eventually, I actually got to a worse point where I no longer existed. You know, Chaz kind of ceased to exist. And what happened was what's called in this kind of psychedelic circles as ego death, where everything that makes you who you are just kind of is wiped away. You know, it's just not there anymore. And you're just kind of there to deal with it. You're not there, but like your awareness is remaining. That's the only thing about you that's still there. And you're forced to kind of deal with that reality for a while. You know, to you, it's like a million trillion infinity years because time is kind of turned off for you. And you're just, you know, picturing that and just going through that. And it's kind of terrible and terrifying depending on, you know, where you are in your life at that point. It could just, you know, if that's a really new concept for you, you're going to be fucked. Uh, eventually, where I went at least was I woke up, went outside, and it was the most beautiful day I had ever seen in my entire life. Oh, it was Fight Club where Tyler Durden was going up to people and, you know, threatening them that he was going to kill them unless they did, you know, they took it upon themselves to go do their career. So in this case, you know, be a veterinarian or whatever it was, I think, in Fight Club. And I think it's, it's very similar with the psychedelics. You were bringing it up, I think, at perfect point, because I, I do use term drugs very, very loose for me, even alcohol is a drug. And you're giving better gradation of what are separating groups. If you're talking about drugs and heroin, don't open that door, please, nobody. Yeah, your your experience also brings me out, man. Like once I started working on Bitcoin, I've um, had people telling me about psychedelics a lot. And one guy from Chile or Peru, he was telling me I should fly over there, experience it. So the ayahuasca dmt experience i think it's it is that you're definitely better than me on that stuff i don't know how how, how much i can follow up on all that but for me I, I just hope people are ready like i guess my whole part comes to that because as you're saying it needs to be positive i think there's a lot more to go in there and i feel like i can still yeah. hear my mind wanting to throw out more but we're gonna stop we're gonna stop and i'll advise the listeners to follow up on the next episode we're gonna have like an hour hour and a half of almost this entire topic we really gave it a good intro man yeah absolutely so thanks for that let's go ahead and take us back to the mundane of bitcoin here <laughs> yeah which i don't think is mundane but you know hey uh some of the listeners that are only listening to the philosophy side of this might not have the same opinion. It's that's because they haven't gotten to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the strongest drug there is. So you end up just scrolling your Twitter feed saying Bitcoin fixes this nine to nine job. <laughs> Agreed. So kind of taking us back to you know what you're kind of doing in Bitcoin and Lightning. Most people know what BTC Pay server is, but can I give us like a couple minute rundown of what that is on a kind of high level for everybody. Yeah, so BTC Pay server focus once it was established was pretty much to be a merchant solution like a payment processor and obsolete bit BitPay. Go with the whole creed of Bitcoin that you should be self-sufficient and if you're really depending on third parties to do stuff for you, what's the point? And really if we are ever to build economy on top of bitcoin it will need to be economy in which you are receiving money for some kind of service and that's where btc based server comes in because everybody when we're talking about running your full node running like you're doing all that so that you are receiving funds and verifying that funds that you received are actually bitcoin they're not some version of bitcoin that wants somebody wants to establish you want to receive the Bitcoin through the rules that you validate. And BTC-based server, I, I think, fulfills that 
idea and mission perfect what i love the way that i look at it there are like more and more and more open source projects nowadays that are starting i like to think at least a little bit of inspiration was thanks to the success of btc based server because btc based server it's the success is overwhelmingly thanks to the community and and the fact that so many people wanted you know something to happen to go against big established players who were essentially trying to take community in whatever direction they wanted with btc based server open source project around there you know people can rally around it was phenomenal and i i would say it even fulfilled that mission and Nowadays, it's just community open source project that connects Bitcoiner. <laughs> That's how I would. Was there anything else you kind of wanted to go into before we uh, wrap things up here? No, man. I think it's been a wild ride. Hope you enjoyed it. I definitely did. And hopefully the uh, listeners did as well. Do you kind of want to just reiterate how the uh, listeners can find you on the uh, interwebs? Yeah. As long as you type in Rockstar Developer on Twitter, first account that should pop out should be me. BTC-based server Mattermost is also a great place to get in touch. If you're coming to any upcoming conferences, uh, Bitcoin 2020 in March in San Francisco, like drop a message. As I said, I'll be doing a lot of partying, late night partying. So if you want to join in. All right, man. So we'll go ahead and end it there. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure, man. Patient Zero recording ends now. Did you learn anything from this recording? Did you learn anything from this autopsy? This was a very interesting experiment in the dissection of a random person. Probing and finding out more about who they are. I want to do this with more people. I want to find more patients. In fact, I think I might have already found my next patient. This patient seems to have a proclivity for psychedelics. We must explore more. We will explore more. There is no other choice. Please return, won't you? Please return. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>